Hey Swifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Swiftcast coming up on this episode. Well, we never saw that one coming. A new course drops out of a clear blue sky. Swift's new terms of service. No, don't switch off. Nobody ever reads them, but they're important. And subtle or maybe not so subtle changes to power-ups. What's that all about? Plus lots of Swift chats with a slightly different lineup this week. There's me as usual. There's Nathan also as usual. Your dude, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, Simon? A uh, little tired. Just woke, waking up, Long Beach, but mm. uh, doing good. Yeah, well, we'll get to the Long Beach thing in a minute. And there's Greg Leo with us, noted Swift racer and sometime podcaster himself. Hey, Greg, how are you? Very good. Thank you. I'm not as tired as Nathan. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we've been conversing for the last three hours. You are something of an early riser, it must be said. Um, Okay, well, we'll be checking in also with Shane later on. Don't worry, this one is not a llama-free zone. Okay, well, there's a bit of a story behind this uh, slight change in personnel. I know people love hearing about people doing dumb stuff. It kind of makes you feel better, I find. I think it's called schadenfreude. Anyway... I was supposed to be where Nathan and Greg are right now, which is at the Long Beach HQ of a certain cycling game we all know and love. All three of us in the same room, I thought, would make a nice polished podcast. But the best laid plans and all that. I packed, prepped and fetched up at the airport, but uh, computer said no. I was denied boarding. Um, Now, I had remembered a few days before to see if my ESTA, which is a piece of paper you need to get into the United States, was valid and in date. Um, And then I forgot to check it. And guess what? It wasn't valid, that is. Long story short, the check-in peep said, no way, dude. And despite a desperate last-minute ESTA application, I was not in seat 23C as planned as the wheels lifted off the runway. Um... I felt something of a fool, it has to be said. Anyway, it turns out I'm not the only Brit heading to Long Beach who's been caught out like this. According to one of my mates at HQ, that made me feel about 3% better. Anyway, enough of all that. Let's get on with some Zwift stuff. Simon, so, mean, at least at least you're probably feeling a little bit more comfortable than us. We're, we're recording on the edge of my hotel room bed on an ironing board right now. So you're probably a little bit more... Uh, you know, you're probably in a more comfortable situation, at least. <laughs> Ironing boards are very, very useful things. And Nathan and I have recorded in many different um, different setups in hotel rooms, let me tell you. Now, normally we do get a little bit of notice about what we might be coming up, Nathan, don't we? But not this time. The Giro d'Italia course landed pretty much from nowhere. It was a complete surprise to me, and we got none of the usual trailers or teasers. No Eric Minstrava ride, for example. And um, we'll talk about the course shortly. But Nathan, I'm kind of speculating on the basis of no knowledge whatsoever, but that's what we do here, that this was perhaps tied up with last minute business negotiations and the like with RCS owners of the Giro d'Italia. Fair guess, do you think? I think that might have been going on. I mean, definitely you're recreating grounds where uh, and branding and things like that, where people, you know, uh, have a stake. But, I, you know... At the same time, it might also have been like, can we get it done? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Like there might also have been a reality of like, when we like, how quickly did they turn this around and stuff like that? And uh, is it a go and, and those kinds of things. So um, it, there might have been uh, the Zoom factor uh, as well as most likely, um, you know, figuring out where the stakes do lie as far as uh, the business side of things go. So I think that's a fair bet. I don't want to resort to national stereotypes either, but negotiating with Italians <coughs> negotiating with Italians can sometimes be complicated. Um, Greg, it's event only at the moment and not on the calendar permanently, but I assume you rode it. What do you reckon? That's a really cool course. I mean, one thing that has been interesting about it is how much time people are putting into figuring out the pacing in the course mm. and also what bikes to use. So we have, you know, the 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 drop shop combined with this sort of unique course that has a flat TT into a bit of a climb, you know, uh, everyone in Zwift racing chat was talking about like, what are the right wheels to use? What's the right frame? Should I use a TT bike? Should I use a climbing bike? How hard should I go on the flat? How hard should I go on the climb? I mean, you know, people were doing simulations and things. It was, it was kind of an interesting, you know, few days before, before those events started. 
Yeah, yeah. And Shane has uh, a little to say about that in uh, just a few moments' time, actually. Um, Zwift are already best mates with ASO, as we know. Uh, ASO being the owners of Tour de France, uh, they've got a, a, a partnership with them. Looks like now they're going to be best buddies or at least good buddies with RCS. Good thing, Greg, do you think, to be in bed with these these huge cycling organisations? Well, I, I, I don't think it can hurt. I mean, maybe there are some some aspects that constrains Zwift a little bit, but, you know, um, Zwift is, is trying to, seems like, put themselves on the same playing field as these big organizations, um, you know, and, and show that they're a big player in cycling. And I think, I think that's what they're doing by partnering with all these groups. Absolutely. Seat at the top table. Um, Nathan, do you, do you think ordinary Zwifters care as much as maybe we do about pro cycling partnerships i mean do you think you know the zwifter that jumps on just to do 25 minutes of pootling around the place do, do they care that, that, that they get a giro d'italia course and, and zwifter best buddies with all these super important people that's a really interesting question because yesterday it kind of came up uh in a conversation at hq about uh demographics and stuff and i said in response to a similar conversation when you like walk into a bike shop you have hybrids you have race bikes you have mountain bikes and i might right you know gravitate toward the mountain bikes and don't pay as much attention to what the aso or rcs are doing but there are most definitely the individuals who will walk into that bike shop and care very much about the road bike and very much about the dirt race with the electronic shifting and what uh, Mark Cavendish is doing or who is winning the Giro or whatever might be happening as far as that goes in pro cycling. So you definitely want to, as you get more global, hit every part of the cycling genre. And I think the base of the users up front have cared a whole lot. Uh, I think as we yeah. do become more... Um, what do we want to say here? General population go out more to more general cycling too. It won't have as much care, but that doesn't mean you don't focus in on that part of the bike shop. Essentially, I also think Greg, that there's a there's a useful seasonal aspect to this because of course the Grand Tours tend to be in summer, and as we know, summer is not not. Uh, not, 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 but the best of times for Zwift, um, understandably. We know the reasons why that is. So this kind of, I, I think it sort of helps extend the season a bit, do you? Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think one, one thing that's interesting about this is maybe people who aren't avid Zwifters can, you know, watch the Tour de France and, and they can then jump in Zwift and, and have an experience that's relevant to what they've just seen. Right. So you know, that kind of thing didn't happen before. I couldn't watch the Tour de France or, or any big bike race. And then, yeah. you know, I could go outside and ride around and pretend I was, you know, Mark Cavendish, but I couldn't. We've all done that, Greg. We've all done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, I think that's a big part of this is bringing people in to Zwift who are avid cycling fans who can then come into Zwift and have an experience relevant to what they're seeing on TV. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Uh, finally, on this, just 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 for now, um, use of the course in terms of its availability is, is quite sparing. Um, frustrating, Nathan? Smart, or maybe just part of the deal with with RCS? Who knows? Uh, I think it's a little bit frustrating. I did see on the social media posts a lot of asks about, well, is this available? When, when again? When again? When again? At the same time, it might have been what the marketing was looking for like oh they're asking for it to come back they're asking for it to come back and there's a little bit of that like wanting what you can't have yeah you like know? the mcrib marketing <laughs> exactly so uh, only available for a limited time right so i think that might be working a little bit i do think it's smart to make more offerings perhaps down the road because you know a lot of work probably went into developing this space you know so and i i wouldn't doubt that that's going to happen but having some exclusivity around it while the giro is going on maybe a smart move yes i would agree it is very frustrating maybe for those who didn't know it was coming that first thing you said about suddenly it's kind of just dropped out of the sky maybe a little bit more planning than to let people know hey this will be exclusive plan your stuff because just getting on and riding, like we've said over and over again, takes a little bit more time to play this game than it does to sit down and, you know, throw down some Overwatch or something. Yeah, yeah. No, like a, like a week's, I don't know, I, I didn't count actually, but but it didn't seem very long between the announcement and the actuality when, 
you know, uh, like you say, people like to plan ahead and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks out. But but I'm sure there are reasons for that, um, as, as we discussed just a few moments ago. OK, well, Shane rode the new course, of course, and he used an interesting little pacing tool, which I think Greg referred to a moment ago. I'd not heard of this before. So here's Shane on the new course and this pacing tool he used. Uh, well, good day, Shane, mate. You're going to be popping in and out of this episode of the podcast. So let's get your thoughts on uh, this <laughs> bolt from the blue, as we described it, which was the uh, sudden arrival of the uh, new course. Uh, you ridden it, mate? I have. Um, I'm not sure I want to ride it again, but I liked it. It was only short, but the reason why I liked it is because it was a perfect course to apply good pacing strategy to. Because the course was so short and sharp and the hill at the end is so brutal, I thought, how am I going to get the best out of what I've got? So I jumped into Best Bike Split. Uh, If people don't know what Best Bike Split is, it will take in almost every variable you can think of and apply what it knows to give you the best pacing that you should be applying for a certain course, any sort of course. And the Giro was in there, or the Giro Prologue was in there. So I've put in my estimated FTP, my estimated weight. Of course, my weight was correct, so I put that in there. <laughs> and uh, the, the estimated the bike type and the, the wind direction and every variable you can think of because you, this is built for outside, but you can apply this um, pacing strategy for inside as well. What's a what's, courses are courses. So it sort of told me to, okay, go out at the start for the first uh, six kilometers under FTP. Now, it's a sub 20-minute effort, and you, it's telling me to go under FTP for the first half. I'm like, that's kind of weird. But then the hill, you go over FTP for all of that hill, and it's a grind. So I jumped on there, did all the math, and applied that pacing strategy, and it worked really well for what I had. Uh, both Dr. Stephen Lane and I were side-by-side side here in the Llama Lab racing each other up, and uh, it made for a pretty good... Um, pretty good race there in the end but that last two kilometers is brutal absolutely brutal that best, i've not come across that best bike split toy that sounds uh, sounds a good little tool actually it's not bad at all it was um i think bought out by training peaks in 2014 so they're they're self-confessed math nerds behind it and obviously lovers of bikes and all things sporty um it's used quite a lot and even by the pros i got a message from uh the the team behind best bike split thanking me for using the uh their tool for my little video and uh yeah i just had a bit of a chat to those guys about how they use it and who uses it and it's it's pretty good it's pretty damn good so if people are out there looking to get the best out of themselves for a time trial it's definitely worth having a look at for a group ride just hold the wheel you'll be right yeah, yeah, yeah. But it only applies to real-world courses, so you couldn't use it for uh, Watopia Reverse, figure of eight or something like that. Well, you could you could import Watopia if you want. I'm guessing you could import your own TCX GPX um, and it will look at the terrain. Wind, well, there's not much wind, and the Zwift physics are close enough to get a good pacing strategy. Look, all you're after is something better than what you'd guess. So, I mean, for the, uh, the Giro course, it's under FTP until the hill, by about 20 or 30 watts and then over FTP on the hill by about 20 or 30 watts. It's quite as simple as that. So you'd be able to import a different course from anywhere. So it works real world or yeah. fake world. Interesting. Oh, well, people people should take a look at that. No doubt guided by uh, lots of helpful advice in your video. Um, however, the course has now gone, I think, actually, as, as, as we record. I don't think it's around. We're, we're going to see it come back, though. I hope so. It's a good, short, sharp uh, stage race. Well, it's a prologue. Um, I'd like to see it pop up in different events uh, every now and and then um, hopefully if we get the ability to, you know, run our own events, you know, personally, um, I'll run a few events on there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Hear more from you later, Shane. Thanks for now. They're long, always, and written in legalese, always. Nobody ever reads them unless they change, and then only a very few people read them, and even then they don't read all of them. I'm talking about terms of service or end-user license agreements, and Zwift have just changed theirs, um, and it has ruffled a few feathers, it's fair to say. Um, The changes do give Zwift the power to possibly do some things if they want to or if they see a real need. Um, One of those is to stop people streaming. They They now have this power, and that's what's caused most of the Internet's Outrage. Here's a quick example. Zwift now say that you can't live stream anymore. 
I am no longer, according to the letter of their law in their terms of service, allowed to broadcast my Zwift races live to you on Twitch, on YouTube. I, I'm not allowed to broadcast their platform anywhere, according to the letter of their law. They said it should be okay, but should just feels fluffy, doesn't it? In When it comes to lawyers, I thought Zwift was all about community and these terms of service feel counter to that. Um, I'll discuss this with Nathan and Greg momentarily, but first let's pull in a llama. Rainmaker, DC Rainmaker, man of much influence. He got a bit huffy about the new uh, Zwift terms of service, Shane. Was he overreacting? Yeah, probably a little bit. Letter of the law, I guess, of what they'd written. He was correct. And in the terms of service, it said something about, yeah, there's heavily heavy restrictions on using Zwift and uh, republishing, rebroadcasting, et cetera, for commercial ventures. It was, look, let's call it what it is. It was a good clickbait. Uh, I do think Ray was kind of guilty of sowing a bit of panic around this. Oh, my God, Zwift have now got the power to stop me streaming. They're going to stop me streaming. I, I just think that's most unlikely in the vast majority of cases, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's that's not the case. We saw. I mean, it's a perfect clickbait headline of Zwift bans online streaming. That's going to get people's attention, but it's also going to spread a misinformation, which is not correct. Um, of probably the top ten people in the world who uh, would be impacted by this, I'd be up there. I'm sure because I, I ride Zwift all the time. I stream it. I use it for my Llama Lab tests. I rebroadcast it. Um, I'd be affected by this. But the first thing I did, I sent Zwift an email just saying, hi, guys, just want some clarification on my usage being okay. And they're like, absolutely not a problem whatsoever. Um, so it's just common sense. Pretty much all these companies have terms and services which will protect them. And they'll only come out and, I guess, flex their uh, their muscle there when they need to. And I think if you've got good intent, uh, which is what all streamers have, um, I think it's okay. But again, in this day and age of the internet, we all want something to be, uh, what, in a half about today. Um, and then... Yeah, we'll forget about it tomorrow and move on. No, and, and I think just to wrap up your contribution on this, I don't think any ordinary Zwifter needs, uh, whether they stream or not, and, and, and even if they do stream a lot, I don't think they need to be have, have any concerns about this, do you? No, not, not at all. And uh, look, I think if we read, as I've said, close enough of any terms and services of any product that we don't own, um, we can safely assume that any company has something they can use against you. So we're talking, I mean, I'm coming from a different place here as well, because I've been taken off of uh, YouTube for violating their terms of service, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So that's the ultimate, uh, yeah, smackdown, I guess. So anything less than that, to me, it's like, nah, it's not a problem. I don't see this as a problem. No, I don't either. Okay, thanks very much, Shane. We'll catch up with you later in the podcast. Uh, Greg, I, I do think we can be fairly straight here, building on what Shane said. Ordinary Zwifters who stream for fun are absolutely not going to be stopped from doing this, are they, as far as you know? Yeah, and I think pretty quickly, everyone I know that streams, you know, there was some talk like, oh, is this going to prevent us from streaming? And, you know, the consensus was, no, Zwift isn't going to, Zwift isn't going to stop anyone just for streaming for fun who's, you know, actually putting content out there that that helps Zwift, really. I mean, all, all that does is build the Zwift brand. It's good for Zwift. Um, I can't see them ever stop stopping anyone from from streaming that has, you know, good intention and isn't harming the platform in any way. Mm -hmm. And that, as far as we know, is, is, is still the position post these new terms of service. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I haven't heard anything official about that, but... Um, I think that's yeah, the case, yeah. yeah. Nathan, um, some of these things could possibly, and again, I'm in, you know, uh, venturing into wild speculation territory here. C could it be that some of these changes in the terms of services are possibly related to preparing the ground for esports? If there is going to be a business venture taking place, I think, with Zwift's platform at that kind of a scale within an esports space or a space that is uh, using it for entertainment purposes that people are paying for at a large scale, that Zwift has the power to say, hey, you're using our platform for this and like that's a piece of our pie and we're up to this. You know, I think that that's most likely because like the individual streamer, it would it would be silly in the gaming industry for Apex to yell at Shroud for what having 40,000 people watch him enjoy the game. Like that would be, why would you do that? Like that would make no sense. And there's also the reality that there's this guy who started streaming in his laundry room with the green screen. And then was that British cycling? Exactly. I don't know. Some guy did this thing with the green screen in his laundry room and now there's esports. So I don't know, like, you know, 
two years, three years later, after a lot of rough development <laughs> and things like that, you know, and back and forth, you know, a lot of, um, anyway, what, so what is it about laundry and creating Zwift content? Yeah, that I think that's like so a well thing. Together? That's like a thing, like lots of people in laundry rooms or at least just back rooms that uh-huh. <laughs> I think most streaming setups are out of people houses, well, like in yeah, a back room anyway. So. Doing, doing laundry is a really important aspect of indoor cycling. We I used think. to do laundry during our Zwift rides actually out of there and stream it. Like I would stream the doing the laundry on anyways. I would pay for content like that. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to be busting anybody for doing laundry. I mean, <laughs> You you two are approximately both from the Midwest, aren't you? Whenever you say laundry, I hear lingerie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would pay for content like that. No, no, no. There's free websites for that, Greg. Oh. Oh <laughs> yeah. Can we make it washing rather than laundry, laundry? Um, anyway, um, let's just talk about streaming a bit. I mean, I don't do it. Nathan, you've done it for years and years and years and i know you do it a lot greg mm-hmm. so so let me ask you this question greg why do people stream why why do they do it that's a great question i don't i'm not even sure i know why i stream i mean there is okay so let me say this having a live audience for a race is a really it's a really motivating yeah. experience yeah i mean when i've done live races let's say at uh the the kiss crit finals or cvr those are really incredible experiences to have people watching you and cheering you on. And I think streaming gives you a little bit of that. You know, even if there are just a few people watching the stream, you feel kind of motivated not to let them down if it's racing or if you're even doing a workout. You know, you want to get through it because people will see that you quit. So there's that aspect to it. Um, you know, I think that's really it for me. Get, get- but can there be anything more distressing and humiliating than streaming yourself on Zwift and looking at the audience counter and it says no viewers? Yes, I'm sure you're never. I'm sure you're never in that position. But. Well, I mean, up front it was like so. I started streaming Zwift 2015 January, right? And no one was watching Zwift. That was the first Zwift stream, and like I didn't have anything but zero or one viewers for like six months. I actually had to really? start. Yeah, I'd have here and there. John Mayfield was one of my first because he was like, someone's streaming the game. What is going on here? <laughs> like, um, and then uh, what I did was I streamed Zwift and other games because there are people watching other games and you could um, you could then have having both of those, you could list it under another game, right? And then people who were looking for that game came in and were like, well, what's that other thing? And then... Uh, people who are in the Zwift community who happen to be on Twitch or these other platforms who enjoyed either World of Warcraft or Hearthstone, it was at that time, were like, wait, what's that? I want to be a cyclist or I am a cyclist. And then it kind of crossed over. But once you gain that community, you go to hang out with friends if it's a smaller stream community. You go, that's part of yeah. my thing. And yeah. then your friends are watching you and you told them you're doing two yeah. by 20s up the mountain yeah. and you know they know what your fastest time is and it's super motivating. And all of a sudden you get this schedule and they become a part of your training schedule. So it's like going mm. to the group ride at that point at your house in the laundry room and at the same time, if it goes a little bit bigger, like there is monetization on Twitch for showing off this game that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. So I was making two dollars and fifty cents a month at one point. <laughs> <laughs> you said laundry. You said laundry room again, then, Nathan. I, the washroom. The washroom. The washroom's <laughs> over here. I don't know if you know what that means here. So yeah, I do know what that means. I think I think that's like bathroom. Uh, over here, we call it toilet. Yeah. But, oh uh, god. I wouldn't pay money for content like that. <laughs> Some people do, apparently. So I'm told, uh, asking for a friend. Um, well, that's a very interesting little exploration of the motivation of streaming uh, 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 or the psychology of streaming. And, and largely it seems to be for reasons to motivate yourself and then you build a little community around it. So now, now, now I understand it better. Well, one of my favourite ever tunes is by a band called Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, and it's called Roadrunner. Uh, you two would be far too young to have heard a uh, classic piece of uh, acoustic folk, I think you'd probably describe it as. But Roadrunner is probably a little better known as a 
cartoon character who, well, runs down the road and says, meep, meep. And there's a roadrunner in Zwift. Um, a few of Zwifters have spotted him. Well, maybe it's a her. Is roadrunner he or her? I don't know. But he, anyway, it has been spotted on the new desert course. Um, some people have attempted to keep pace and failed. Apparently, this roadrunner is pretty damn fast. Greg, uh, have you had a sighting? I haven't. I've never seen the Roadrunner. I've only heard rumors. Well, Patrick Tan of Team Ascenders, who's a, a great fan of the podcast and a lovely guy, actually, he's actually caught him on video. So if you um, if you Google or YouTube search Patrick Tan Team Ascenders, you'd be able to you'd be able to actually see this Roadrunner. It is very small and it is very fast. Um, Nathan, I think this comes into the category of um, Easter egg. Does it? Yeah, a little bit for sure. Um... Oh man, we how much to share? There's some cool stuff about the Roadrunner a little bit, but it's not specific to the character. It's it's, it's specific to like game function. Hang on right there, Nathan <laughs> Guerra. Uh you can't you can't just say something like that. So you're going to It came uh, it was a sudden like, oh, that's in my mind. Boom. Um yeah, but anyways, No, 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 no. You're holding out on us, man. You know, it's only a cartoon character. This is not, you know, this is not it's, a commercial so, secret. You know, I think all of the, um, all of the in-game stuff. What you're seeing right there is where you're um, going along, and the roadrunner shows up somewhat randomly, or is it from when I'm? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It no, is, it shows, I think it shows up randomly. Show yeah. up randomly, or is it an activation? Is it, an, a, is it something that activates when you go through a certain section of the game? I'm mm. not sure about that. No. So, um, you know, like the banjo guy way back was just always playing. Or was he playing because I showed up? You know what I mean? Well, that's so, philosophical. Well, I mean, yeah. there's a, there's, well it's, it's, a, it's a logic thing in the game. And so, like, are we seeing some situations where when you do A, B happens kind of a thing, which is a cool gaming interaction. I'd be excited to see more of something like that if that's what it is. I haven't seen okay, him okay. because... I, are, um, are you saying that, that that you may have heard that certain things like that might possibly be coming into the game at some point in the not too different? I'm not period. saying yes or no. I'm saying I've been really excited about that. That's what I've been I'm, saying. I'm confused. <laughs> One thing I'll say is I really like the idea of trying to keep up with the Roadrunner. That sounds like a really fun that would be awesome. mini game. That would be awesome right, or like, like the yeah. train like beating the yeah, train keep, kind of a keep thing pace like with the roadrunner kind of yeah don't get eaten by the yeti you remember ski free is this a ski free play <laughs> yeah, do you remember ski free ski free was a little ski free ski free was a little game on like windows 95 and you'd go down and you'd you know you'd oh, do like a little slalom that. and then oh, okay. eventually yeah, the yeah. yeti would start chasing you and it would eat you that would be such a cool swift game i wonder if that was the motivation i'm gonna have to ask well Creed maybe i mean the thing is on the on the video evidence from patrick tan um it, it's not only fast it's very fleeting i mean i think it was up on screen for like 10 seconds so kind of by the time you've sighted it and stomped on the pedals it's it's gone but hmm. yeah keeping pace with it would be kind of fun wouldn't it yeah i'd love that i'd love that as a little mini game in swift Hmm. Yeah, that'd be actually like lots of, you know, mini bosses, raid bosses. You know, we've been talking around that kind of stuff mm -hmm. for a while. Get that dinosaur going. There we go. Not, well, he's kind of looking a little chubby. He looks a little friendly. I don't yeah. know. Friendly. You I'm, know, not, I'm not sure he's a cyclist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we've just, um, we've just convincingly uh, uh, persuaded the audience that there is actually very, very, very little indeed we know about about the Roadrunner. So if anybody's got any fantastic intel uh, on the Roadrunner and his behavior, his or her behavior, uh, and when it shows up and what it's all about, well, I, would, for one, would love to hear it. Well, it's like, sorry, but one last thing. Scotty V. Roadrunner. And what's the Roadrunner's name? Alex well, West? Al West? Well, he's just called Roadrunner, isn't he? <laughs> I guess so. Does Roadrunner have a name? He's got, he's got quite the cadence. Maybe Zach Rogers would be a good name for him. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> All right, meet me. Meet me. Okay, well, we know the update in May gave us a new course, of course, because uh, uh, lots of us have written it, but contained within that update were some pretty important other changes. Um, 
the, the big one, it seems to me at least, anyway, the big one is the reduction in duration of, of what's generally considered to be the most powerful power-up, the arrow. That's been reduced from 30 seconds to 15 seconds. We'll discuss that in a second. And there have also been some changes, which I must admit I'm struggling to understand, to the algorithm of the super tuck. Um, Greg, uh, with your racing heritage and experience, I'm sure you know all about this. Can you just summarise what's happened to the super tuck and what it will mean to Swifters and probably especially racers? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, let me try to summarise with the super tuck. Uh, the way that the physics was working for the super tuck before now was that uh, when you're descending, there was some kind of breaking force on your on your avatar, right? It's as if the avatar was was holding down the brake slightly or something like that. Right. And then when you would go into the super tuck, they would just let up on the brake, so that slight breaking okay. force would would be gone. Instead, now what they've done is change the way the super tuck works so it actually reduces your drag as if you were using an arrow power up uh and that's more realistic essentially right so basically what they've tried to do here is um change the way the super tuck actually works in game right like what the code is doing to your avatar in game to make the super tuck physics a little bit more realistic the way you move uh especially with the way that you'll um uh accelerate and decelerate when you're moving in and out of the pack i think with the with the super tuck okay what 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 do you think that will actually mean you know i i I mean it must be more than just tidying up a bit of code um gosh um i i hate to use this word again but you know the the zwift physics are the properties of these things are emergent right so you know a small change to something like this will only really know the effect by experiencing it. And I don't think we've had right. long enough to really experience how this is going to affect races. Um, so that's something that we're still discovering. Super Tuck is not used that often in, in racing most of the time because there's just a lot of the races don't have long enough descents for Super Tuck to yeah. be relevant. Um, yeah. But, you know, it would be... It's another strategy, you know, if you can find little moments to take a rest and now the super tuck is improved and you give the really experienced racers more incentive to look for those moments where they can go into a super tuck, um, I think that can only improve the the dynamics of racing. So I want to say here also, it's event only for yeah. racing, right? right? So this doesn't change right, everyone's right. physics in the whole game. Um, okay, that's, and important. that's important. So, so I wonder why that is. I wonder uh, why well, it's because, okay. Uh, someone coined a term curator. Was that you, Simon? Yeah, I think that was you. <laughs> and I have Good a little man. bone to pick on this a little bit. Like, I don't like, I heard a little bit of like, people just want to ride trainers and they don't want an interactive game. Like when I heard the curation around this breaking thing that was in there, like, why don't I have up front for the last whatever years the game has been out there, um, the experience of I stop pedaling, I watch my avatar do a thing and I'm gaining speed like I would in real life. The only So whenever I would do that, my assumption was that I was going to travel faster. And I always wondered why I wasn't traveling faster than everybody else around me. And I was trying to interact with the game like my legs were the controllers that they are in real life. In real life, I'm, mm. I'm playing a game, which is cycling. And you know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm trying to game the pack in my bike to get the fastest speed out of it. And so I'm doing the same thing while I'm the, on the trainer interacting with my avatar and not getting the interaction I was expecting the whole time. But I didn't even know that one way or another because we didn't have any notes on how the, or any idea on how the game was interacting with us. So mm. it was, I'm a little bit like, wow, for like three, four years now, I've been doing something that I thought was doing one thing, but I, but, it, but it wasn't. And this idea of like, People just want to ride together on a trainer in groups rather than like people maybe a little bit more focused on like people actually want to have interactive. And so this is a plus now. I just wish we would have known a lot longer and maybe had more options a little bit earlier rather than maybe a little bit of that curation hand with some assumptions in there. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm excited to see because I don't even know if the community knows that like this change is like how widespread is this information in the community's mind and well, have they I mean, I mean, that, yeah 
Go, uh, there's one, go ahead, Simon. Go ahead, Simon. Well, you make an excellent point there, Nathan, which is, you know, this is quite subtle. Um, the, the, the change to the error power-up is, is kind of less subtle, and we should discuss that because it's actually a little bit easier to understand. Mm-hmm. But the bigger point that you, you're making there, which I think is one, you know, that we've made fairly frequently, is, is kind of the, abs- the complete absence of communication around this. Or, or the or the almost complete absence of communication. If Swift have said something about this, I, I apologise, but I've not seen it. Yeah. Um, well, to be to be fair, uh, Jordan Rapp posted in the Zwift Racers for uh, Facebook group a description mm-hmm. of of the change, and, and and I think did a good job of trying to describe what what exactly the change was and and why they did it. So I still mm-hmm. think we need to experience the difference to understand it. Um, yeah, I think it might. It might be. Change. It might be more impactful. Is what I, the last thing I was going to say is just. I think it might be more impactful than than we've seen, and that like you can force the super tuck at times if you sprint, and then like, and if you can force an arrow power up almost at will. Yeah, but it has to be. Big. It has to be going downhill. Yeah, yeah, two percent, three percent, or whatever. So, anyways, it's hard I, to find. I, but we got to see it. if it'll yeah. work. I want to go test it now. I want to go raise. We're, now. In, <laughs> we're, uh, we're deep. We're deep in the weeds here, fellas. We're deep, deep, deep in the weeds. Ditw. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's discuss something that's just a little bit easy to understand and, and actually may have more relevance to more Zwifters, which is the change in duration to the Aero power up. I, I, I think that's a big change, Nathan. Don't you? It is a big change. It, uh, I mean, 30 seconds to 15 seconds, half time. I always looked at the arrow power up in use. Like it's a full 30. I've got a good breadth of time to really take full advantage of it. If I mess it up on one end or the other on timing, it doesn't matter quite as much because it's 30 seconds. But with that little 15, when I, when I was hitting the, the feather, it would be like, wow, that was over so quick. So you got to time it so well now. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. not going to have as much of an impact. That was the main thing is that the arrow power-up was having too much of an impact on races. It was the only one everyone was looking for. So it kind of changes strategies up a little bit too, I think. I don't know. I mean, is this, is it, well, Greg, is this, changed, is, this, is this changed across the board? Or is again, is this event only? So, I mean, what I'm thinking here is, you know, on my bad days, I've used an arrow power-up to stay with a group ride. Yeah, I believe it is across the board now. Yeah, I think I think even even just riding around, it's a fifteen seconds. Is it? I thought it was only in events. I'll have to check and see. I'm not positive, mm-hmm. actually. I thought that it was a thirty mm-hmm. still on on uh, outdoor on the outdoor, but maybe I got that mixed up with the tuck. Yeah, I, well, I'm not certain either. Anyway, whatever you know, it's it is a big change, Greg. Um, you, I think you've canvassed opinion amongst racers. Uh, just extrapolate that opinion out to ordinary drifters if you can. If it does affect them, what? What, what do you think the effect of this is going to be, mainly? Um, I don't think this is going to change the dynamics of racing very much. I think hoard the helmet is still going to be the mantra of Zwift racing because if you want to win a Zwift race, almost all of them come down to a sprint. And there's still no, there's still no strategy when it comes to power-ups except try and have an arrow power-up at the end and use it in the last 15 seconds. I think it will give more opportunity to people who don't have one though, because it's not quite as long and hanging on for 15 on an arrow power up might be a little bit easier than 30 Mm. on a power up. And the way that the pack gains speed against each other with 30 seconds on a bunch of arrow power ups will lower. And those who don't have it can hang on for that much longer. Maybe we might see a couple more races won by someone who's very strong in a sprint Mm against those who weren't quite as strong, but were winning from the arrow. Maybe. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. It also, I think, yeah. potentially increases the likelihood of a late uh, attack, like a 1K attack. Because, you know, one thing that would happen in those attacks is the pack has 30 seconds. You know, if a big pack, a bunch of them have arrow power-ups. They have 30 seconds of that reduced drag and also riding together in the bunch to really pick yeah, up speed at the end. Like you would yeah. see yeah. people would get maybe 10 seconds and then the whole pack just is, is galloping along with those arrow power-ups and they make up so much ground on a single person um, who doesn't have the arrow power-up active. So we, that might be one thing that changes in racing. It, it might, you know, I think, I think it's, it's almost certainly going to at least slightly increase the probability of a successful late, late break. Yeah. 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 
Okay, well, I don't require a response to this because uh, I think we've spent enough time on this, but I just wonder from my own part whether this is yet more laying the ground for the game to become a kind of better racing platform debt. I mentioned eSports once more. Don't respond. We've talked about that enough. Right on! Okay, just a little update for Zwickcast listeners who are interested. And thanks to everybody who uh, responded to me after my unburdening over my health issues last episode. I had some really lovely messages. Um, uh, lots of messages about atrial fibrillation. Really, really interesting how many people were affected by that. Anyway, my campaign to rebuild my fitness, or some fitness at least, after after the winter of health issues I had is going pretty well, actually. Um, my heart thing appears still to be solved. I'm afraid I've not really made many concessions to the... Um, doctors pleased to uh, take it steady after this apparently successful repair of my atrial fibrillation and I have been going at it um, fairly hard I did almost 900 TSS the other week um, what I have found interesting Nathan with your coaching hat on um, is that the hardest job for my coach at the moment is to kind of hold me back um, he's not needing to spur me on he's just trying to rein me in I mean he's setting targets for me which I find I'm very easily able to achieve and I feel I can do more now as a coach is is that common it depends on what the individual is looking for I think you have a little bit more of the competitive edge with your mates or with just wanting to be a really good cyclist or being more into you I mean you're interested in ASO and RCS like I think that you tend toward that part of the bike shop right and so um that I think is also comes out in coaching an individual might come to you simply because they want to lose weight an individual might come to you because they want to be faster on the bike the you know so um, those are two very different attitudes and either being a coach who I like, if you want to come to me for coaching and you just want me to make your cycling fun and, 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 and like, just to like, maybe just get into the shape and, and just create me, I can create some structure, but like, if you're looking for the person who's going to like put that whip out there, I'm not that kind of coach. It depends on the individual and it sounds like you're the type that's like, I need to go push myself. I need to go push myself. I need to go push myself. And it doesn't feel like you're pushing yourself. You feel like you're not doing enough. Those ones you do sometimes have to hold back because they'll just keep on going, right? They'll just, they'll just spread themselves into a ground and overtrain. And uh, yeah, rest is really important so that your maximal amount of stress on the muscles in the body can happen during the right work workouts and if you don't get that you don't get the uh the best benefits out of training yeah, yeah. that was a, i have to say my friend that was a classic coach's answer which with whatever question you ask a coach the answer is always it depends um greg greg do you use a coach no i don't i have a few people i would call advisors who are coaches but i don't i, I haven't hired a coach to to track my my training i keep i use a number of tools like excerpt and um you know, a perf pro to kind of like keep track of my stress and things like that. But uh, yeah, I don't have a coach. Have you ever been tempted to have a coach? Um, I, I've used a coach for a month before and it, it just didn't work out. Um, I think maybe the training philosophy was just so different than what I was used mm. to. Um, being a self-coach athlete for so long, I, I I thought I had learned what was right for my body and the coach had different opinions about that. Now it, I was probably the one that was wrong, not the coach, but um, anyway, it, it, it didn't work out that well. Mm. It can be a very rewarding relationship, uh, coach and coachy bit. I think that's right. I think it can also be a very difficult one at times. Um, I think it has okay, to be the well, right, I'll... the right coach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a bit like, choosing a girlfriend or a boyfriend isn't it you know it's, <laughs> you've got to be you've got to be kind of compatible um okay well uh that is nearly it for this one actually oh actually just before just before we leave this this subject one of my correspondents um i have to mention him um because <laughs> he also was an AFib sufferer, and he uh, suggested an update to the celebrated formula to describe the ideal number of bikes, which, of course, as everyone knows, is N plus 1. He suggested that for those with AFib, it should be N plus 1 plus E, where E is an E-bike. Uh, 
was very clever. Okay, well, just before we go, um, before we say goodbye to Greg and Nathan, let's just catch up with Shane, see what he's up to before uh, before we round this one off. Okay, uh, last word from Shane over in Melbourne. Hello again, Shane. How are we doing? Good, still good. Still good <laughs> thank you. Um, um, Shane, just a little bit of uh, semi-interesting tech news this week, which was 4i, probably best known for their power meters, bought the very little Canadian startup who had a very innovative trainer called Stack. We both saw it at Eurobuy last year, um, which works in a very different way from most other trainers and is completely silent. Um, what's your what's your take on that, that little move? Yeah. Look, another industry move that's quite interesting. So we've seen Garmin take over tax. That was a massive move. And we've recently seen PowerTap be purchased by SRAM, and the, the Quark conglomerate, yeah, yeah. I think it's a SRAM group. Yeah. So there's two mergers. And then we've seen another one. So 4i, a power meter company, a 4i's power meter company, um, have taken on Stack with their Halcyon trainer. Now, Simon, we had a colourful discussion about the colourful <laughs> trainer that is Stack. <laughs> so, well, I liked the technology. You hated the look. <laughs> so, look, fingers crossed uh, they might paint it a different colour. They might put a little shield on it or something. But my question is around the technology and the longevity of that. Alloy wheels are on the out. Um, people are now moving towards through axles. Uh, this their trainer just isn't compatible with most bikes that are being sold at the moment. So they're going to have to redesign that. It might be a grab for some IP, might be a grab for some patents. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, maybe because uh, 4i very quickly announced kind of a stock sell-off, didn't they? They, they, they? they were selling off, I think, like half price or something, the, the yeah, existing stack yep. trainers. 50% so off, you, so it's a you, good deal. You, you, you wonder if they bought some IP and they were actually going to incorporate some of the technology Maybe they're going to become another training company for I. Mm, well, they've got the they've got the tech and they've got the know how. I'm um, the guys behind the Stack Halcyon. and they're pretty smart dudes. And they've also got some virtual wind tun- wind tunnel technology um, mm. that they use at the same time for bike fits. So, look, I, I think it's great. I think seeing successful companies sort of get taken over by other successful companies, it can only lead to good things. So, yeah, let's keep an eye on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt more will emerge, I would imagine, probably at Eurobike. Okay, uh, what's coming up from the uh, from the Llama Lab, the uh, GP Llama Production Centre? What's uh, what's the next big video well, everyone of, should be watching? Well, speaking of Four Eyes, I'm actually looking at their theft tracking technology, which is they're using the Chipolo network, which is similar to the Tile network, that uh, with the latest firmware update to your Four Eyes power meter, it will then start beaconing out Chipolo compatible packets or Bluetooth um, beacons. So if somebody happens to steal your bike or you happen to misplace it, you can mark it as lost. And if anybody on the Chipolo network happens to go buy that, you'll get an alert to tell you where it is. Now, whether you go knock on the door and grab it yourself, I'm not quite sure if that's probably the best course of action, but I'm just sort of having a bit of a play around with that versus the tile network, which is probably more popular. So I've had a a three-week trial running with some hidden little tiles in public, and I've got some results coming up on that very soon. Well, that's interesting. I've not heard of that. So that's that's an anti-theft measure, effectively. Well, it doesn't really stop someone from stealing your bike. No. It'll, it'll tell you where your bike is, possibly, if somebody has yeah, taken it on you. Yeah, and like you say, it's then what you do with that information. What do you do? Collect up uh, four mates and a couple of baseball bats? That might not be particularly <laughs> advisable, I don't think. But, uh, yeah. Interesting use of technology. Uh, Shane, great to chat as ever. Sorry this one's a little bit uh, disjointed due to my um, ineptitude, let's use that word, rather than something stronger uh, about uh, about travelling uh, to HQ. Anyway, great to talk to you, Shane. Talk to you next time. Thanks, mate. And no worries. Thanks, Simon. Happy travels, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Shane. See you, fella. Cool, cool. Okay, back with uh, Nathan and Greg. Well, I know the HQ mission this week is top secret, fellas, so I won't press you much uh, or indeed at all on that. Greg, how is your new team going? It is called Team Turbo, isn't it? A a very retro field to your marketing, I've noticed. Yeah, we call ourselves Turbo Squad. So we're a little bit... We're a little bit different than a normal team in that a number of the riders also belong to other Zwift race teams. So for instance, uh, me and Adam Zimmerman are still affiliated with Team Draft, but we've created a squad of riders with um, with some others, you know, from from the community, from other teams, um, just to just to mix things up a little bit and try something new. 
what our, the plan was to um, sort of create a squad who could take on the Canyon ZCC team, who is Canyon's uh, sponsored elite team. And they're, uh, they're incredible. I mean, all their riders did so well in, in Super League and the, in the recent KISS community races. So, you know, we wanted to give them a little bit of a run for their money. So we created Turbo Squad to try and do this. Okay. And are you recruiting or is this strictly by invite only? I, I think we would like to add a few more riders for some upcoming events. Um, so we're sort of keeping our eyes out for people who would fit fit well in the team. Okay. Okay. Nathan, are you... Uh, I, I know you've been very pressed for time, my friend, and I know, I'm pretty sure your training has suffered as a result, but are you are you continuing this idea of, of returning to racing this summer? Well, I mean, yesterday uh, at ZHQ, I did the number seven... So Tour Utopia number seven, Tour Fire and Ice, and wasn't a bad time up the Alp. We got third overall out of four hundred, and nice. kind of surprised myself a little bit. You so, didn't get eaten what, by the Yeti. What, what was your <laughs> What was your I time? Was, it was I, I. So Tom Hargreaves uh, made me get off the trainer and run to bowling as fast as we could. So I actually. <laughs> The screen was still had the like results up, and I just pushed OK, and it ended, and I didn't get to see what my time was. was I saw a four, so it was under oh. fifty. It was it was it was a sub fifty, which is you know it's That's respectable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's respectable. I still got an extra uh, ten pounds from too much lifting weights actually right now, which needs to come off. But mm. uh, with that and maybe an extra twenty to thirty watts, I'm pretty confident by. Late July, August is what I'm shooting for. I can do the second half of the MTB season. I'm hoping, but I got. I'm right now. I'm racing to renovate a house, actually. So that is the main focus on yeah. the family front. Life getting in the way of cycling again. It's terribly uh, frequent. <clears throat> it shouldn't be allowed. I don't think. Um, okay. Uh, well, that's that. That is that for this episode. Thank you very much, boys. Uh, Nathan, that Greg fellow, you did. I think you did okay, don't you? And not bad. He's he, you know he's up and coming. <laughs> <Just Thanks. kidding. laughs> that was fun. Uh, excellent to talk to you, boys. Enjoy the rest of the time at HQ. I will be joining the discussion uh, remotely. Uh, rather frustrating. That means I can observe but not contribute, which is a slightly odd um, position for me. It must be said. But uh, anyway, yeah. some interesting things being discussed. Excellent. That's that for this one. Thank you very much, boys. Enjoy the day. Uh, safe travels back home. Check your travel documents. See you mm-hmm. next time. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Quick apology for the sound quality of uh, my mic during the conversation with Shane. I managed to enable the wrong mic during that recording, so that was a bit echoey and nasty, but still audible. Sorry about that. Um, And just the usual reminder that whilst we're very grateful to the support that Swift lend to the Swiftcast, they don't influence anything we say during recording or publication. Thanks once again for listening. See you next time.